Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Please join with us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Mike Bird. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. And uh, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, we are going to be in 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, I'm grateful that you have joined us here this morning. And, you know, many times people have certain expectations um, when they come to a place as this. Hopefully, uh, since you are here, I hope that you've come expecting to hear a message about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I I really don't want to let you down this morning. But on the same time, I must say that today's message about the resurrection is probably a little bit different than you might be expecting. Uh, For the month of April, we've been revisiting the truths of the gospel and the importance of the gospel and these truths such as the holiness of God, um, the sinfulness of man. And this morning, we're going to look again at another important truth of the gospel, and that is uh, the resurrection of Christ. And uh, so it is important for us to revisit these truths Um, because when we get a good understanding of what the gospel is, I believe it will radically change our lives. Um, What is the gospel? In a nutshell, it is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The man called Jesus is alive after being publicly put to death by crucifixion. The Roman soldiers nailed him to the cross. They watched him until his life literally extinguished. He was dead. And just to be sure that he was dead, a Roman soldier came up to him and rammed a spear up into the side of him. And then some of Jesus' disciples took the body down from the cross, laid it in a tomb, after which the Roman authority sealed the tomb and set a watch on it because they were afraid of some very zealous disciples who might have tried to steal away the body of Jesus as to propagate a resurrection theory because Jesus said that he was going to rise from the dead. And so they set a seal, they set a watch on the tomb. Guards were placed there so nobody could come and steal the body. But in spite of the tomb, the watch, the seal, in spite of death itself, Jesus, who had been laid in a burial tomb, dead, walked out alive after three days. This historical fact of Jesus' resurrection was witnessed by more than 500 people at one time. Among them being a man who is said by some scholars to have had one of the strongest intellects of all time, that man was Saul, who persecuted the church and later became a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is what the church has believed and celebrated throughout all the centuries. And this is what we celebrate today. This morning, I desire for the scriptures to speak for themselves as to why the resurrection matters. And I pray if you have ears to hear, that you'll listen. Does the resurrection of Christ matter? Does it truly make a difference? 
And this is what I would desire that you take away with you this morning. Without the resurrection of Christ, everything changes. Without the resurrection of Christ, everything changes. Let's examine a few reasons why. So we're going to look here in 1 Corinthians 15. And 1 Corinthians 15 is really perhaps the greatest chapter in all of the Bible on the resurrection. If you want to know what the resurrection is all about, read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You know, something to consider about the truth of the resurrection is people do not die for something they hold lightly. They do not die for something about which they have doubt about. They do not die for things they do not believe are worthy of life and death. People give their lives only for causes that they are wholeheartedly committed to. And one of these great realities is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said that he would rise from the dead and he said, Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And millions of Christians have given their lives in living and given their lives in dying with the hope of that resurrection truth. It's estimated that up to 4 million Christians were buried in the ground in the 600 miles of catacombs that are woven under the city of Rome. During the 300 years of Christian persecution, Christians had to be buried underground. Etched in the ground along many of those tombs are the words, You live in God. Which recognized that though they were dead physically, they were alive in the presence of God. They died with that hope. It's also estimated that during the dark ages, as many as 50 million believers in Jesus Christ gave their lives in persecution because they would not deny their faith in Jesus Christ. Century after century and individual after individual, people have lived and died in the confident hope that there was life after death based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was that confidence that allowed Stephen, a believer in the resurrection of Jesus, when having stones hurled at him as they were cast and they were thrown at him, for him to cry out in hope to the Lord. And as he cried out, he believed that Jesus was the one that was going to resurrect him. It was that hope that allowed the Apostle Paul to give his life to have his head cut off in the confidence that he would be brought into the presence of Jesus Christ. All of the people of all the ages who have died in this faith have died with faith based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the very heart and soul of the Christian faith. It is not something that we hold as a reality only once a year. Everything that we believe, it is the very cornerstone of what we hold dear. We live because he lives. We hope because he arose. So why does the resurrection matter? Well, it matters because of its evidence. Listen to what Paul writes here in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 8. 
Look at this subject which Paul is going to deal with. Because Paul presents the facts of the resurrection, irrefutable. He presents them as undeniable. He, pre he presents these facts pertaining to the resurrection as truth. Luke, in writing the book of Acts, calls them infallible proofs that Jesus arose. Listen as Paul speaks under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 and 2. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I preach to you which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word, I preach to you unless you believed in vain. Now, in these first two verses, he says, I'm reminding you of this gospel. Paul says, it is this gospel that you have believed. You have received it. You stand in it. Your life has been transformed by it. The resurrection matters because Jesus Christ changes lives. How do I know that Jesus Christ changes lives? Because he changed my life. June 26, 2002, there was a time in my life when I repented of my sin and I turned to faith in Christ. I was lost. I was undone. We just heard this morning, two people, how Christ changed their life. What they were is not what they are today. And it's not because they turned over a new leaf. It's not because they just decided to try harder because they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Christ changed their life. And for those of you that know Christ here, you can definitely attest to that truth as well, that Christ has changed my life. So there is evidence of the resurrection because of changed lives. Paul says it's what you have believed. It's what you have received. It's how you have been saved. It's what you stand in. And we are given this other evidence of the resurrection. Listen to what he says here about the scriptures as what the scriptures teach. He says in verses 3 and 4, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So we have this evidence of the resurrection because of the scriptural evidence, the truth of God's word. It's sad to say, but there are many churches today, many pastors today that have thrown out the word of God. What hope are you going to give? There is no hope. And so we are, our faith rests upon the truth of the scriptures. The scriptures are true. They have been proven true. We have this testimony of transformed lives. We have a testimony of the word of God. Scripture affirms both in the Old Testament and the New Testament the resurrection of Christ. But then we're given this third evidence of the resurrection. Listen to what it says here. Eyewitnesses. Look at verses 5 through 8. He says, And that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve, the twelve disciples. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. 
And you think of these eyewitnesses, Peter, the 12, the 500 people at one time. Then he says, then James, he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And then finally, Paul says, last of all, he appeared to me as to one untimely born. He appeared also to me. Paul said of himself, he said, I am the least of the apostles, not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Paul says these eyewitness accounts, we've preached Christ, we've given Christ, the evidence of Christ, the testimony of changed lives of Christ, all points to the fact that the resurrection is true. And there's evidence for that. So the facts of the resurrection are irrefutable. People say, well, I really don't believe the Bible. Well, the Bible is a historical book. And if you throw out the Bible, if you throw out the historical accuracy of God's word, then you have to do that with every historical book. And what would be the result of that? We'd be plummeted right back into the dark ages. And so we have the historical evidence of the resurrection it indeed is one of the best attested facts of ancient history. Jesus Christ arose from the dead. This is a monumental truth. And in spite of that, some deny the resurrection, turning a blind eye and a deaf ear to the truth. So to deny the resurrection, you are turning away from the overwhelming evidence that has been presented to you. And God will hold you responsible to the evidence that you have been given. And so there's this evidence of the resurrection. The resurrection matters because of its evidence. And we cannot deny it. Here's the second thing. Because your faith depends upon it. The resurrection matters because your faith depends on it. Evidently, when Paul was writing here to the Corinthian church, there were actually Christians within this church that were denying the resurrection of the body. They, have a, they had adopted a pagan view that was very popular during that time, that death ended all, that that was it. There was nothing after death. It was done. It was over. And so Paul deals with this thoroughly and gives us several reasons why the resurrection of Christ matter because your faith depends upon it. Notice verse number 12, he says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? How can you say that, he says, when all of the evidence is to the contrary and all of the preaching is to the contrary, all the witnesses are contrary, how can you say that? There's evidence of changed lives, the scripture, the eyewitnesses account. How can you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? How can you say that and be associated with the church? Of what point is your faith? So Paul begins this discussion with this church 
and he presents it in a way that as if the resurrection did not happen, this is what happens to our faith. This is the results of that. And if you deny the resurrection, the implications are frightening. Look at here. First of all, death ends all. In verse 13, Paul says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. If there is no resurrection, if we just die and go out into existence, if evolution is true and there's just a continual recycling of humanity and we're nothing, we're just more than just animals and we're just living our life to the pleasures that we want and then we die. If there's no resurrection, then Christ is not risen. If men don't raise Jesus, the Son of God, who was a man, didn't rise either. Secondly, preaching is useless. Notice what he says in verse 14. He says that if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Why is the preaching useless? Because there's no good news. The good news of the gospel is that we are so horribly, vilely corrupt and God is so good and holy that without his grace and without his forgiveness, we'll be cast into the lake of fire forever. And so the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ took our punishment upon himself. He endured the wrath of God for us. And if Christ had not risen, then our preaching is in vain. It's useless. There is no good news that your sins can be forgiven, that you can be justified before God. There's no message of grace. There's no message of hope. There's no Savior. God was not satisfied with what he did. There's no Lord. He did not conquer death. All of his claims are lies. Preaching is useless. And there's no message. In reality, you probably just wasted a good bit of your time today. You could have just stayed home, did something else. Third, faith is useless. Look what he says again in verse 14. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. It's empty. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ didn't rise. He actually repeats this truth again in verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And so if Christ didn't rise, gospel preaching is pointless and faith is just as pointless. Hope is a delusion. And all the saints, all the martyrs, the millions who have died, have died as absolute fools. Because they believed something that wasn't true. They gave their life for something that wasn't true. And so faith is useless if Christ did not resurrect from the dead. Look what he says here. Fourthly, the disciples of Christ were liars. Look what he says in verse 15. He says, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise. If it is true that the dead are not raised. So these disciples are liars and history is going to have to reverse its verdict on the apostles. And instead of canonizing them, 
History will have to admit that they were horrible liars. In fact, history will have to say that these men were the worst men who ever walked the earth. Why? Because as a result of their lying and their falsehood and their deceit about the resurrection, they sent millions and millions and millions of people to believing and dying for the largest scam and the hoax in all of human history. You know, none of us like to be scammed. None of us like to get those phone calls that says, congratulations, you just won. Just give me your credit card number and your social security card. We've come out, oh, man, what a scam, what a hoax. We hang up the phone. And if Christ did not raise from the dead, then these men who propagated this truth are liars. And they've caused people to believe this, this fraud. And it costs them their lives. It costs them their time. It costs them their money. Fifthly, and this is tragic, look at verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If there's no resurrection, if Christ is not alive, you're not forgiven. I don't think we really grasp the reality of that to be standing before a holy God still in our sin. The Bible says that the God, our God is a consuming fire. And if Christ has not been raised from the grave, you're still in your sins. You are still offending a holy God. He did not accomplish atonement for us if he did not rise from the grave. He did not deal with sin. He did not satisfy the penalty of sin. And, you're still, and your sin is still bound to you. And so is mine. And we are forever damned. There's no forgiveness. There's no hope of heaven. Sixthly, those who have died with faith in Christ are damned. Look at verse number 18. He says, if Christ had not been raised, then those also who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, have perished. Boy, that's troubling. That's troubling. Think about all the funerals that you've ever gone to in your life, whether it be your parents Friends, family members. You see them, their body is laying there. And usually what do we say? They're in a better place now. They're not suffering anymore. And if Christ had not resurrected, then they have perished. That's a frightening reality. The dead who died with their hope in Christ are in hell, damned forever. And that leads us to this last result about if Christ had not been resurrected. Seventh, Christians are the most pitiful people on the face of the earth. Look what he says in verse 19. 
If in Christ we have hope in this life only, in other words, if, if all we're doing is propagating this, this belief that Jesus is raised from the dead, but it really didn't happen, and we're just kind of doing religious type things to make us feel better about ourselves, he says this, that we are the most pitiful people. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. And so if we're spending all of our time for something that only happens in this life, it, we are to be a pitied people. What a tragic bunch of deceived people we really are. Millions of whom have died, all of whom have tried to live their lives based upon a lie. If the dead do not rise. So the facts are that Christ did arise. To deny those facts is to really strike a death blow at the heart of the Christian truth and message. But Paul really turns us around fast in verse 20 because I love this. So he gives us these tragic results if Christ had not resurrected. But look what he says in verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Wow. And he reiterates this positive truth. And then he goes on to describe what the resurrection means now since Christ did rise from the dead. So what does that mean for us? Well, thirdly, the resurrection matters because it is the guarantee of a future resurrection and judgment. Paul says he becomes the first fruits or the guarantee of all of our resurrection. He defeats sin. He restores men to God. He conquers death. He takes over his kingdom. He subdues the world. Christ has risen from the dead. Listen to what Paul writes here, 1 Corinthians 15, 21. For as by one man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. That's Christ. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he, Christ, must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet." The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is expected to put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all and in all. This is talking about the end. This is talking about when Christ returns. And so if there was no resurrection, none of this stuff would happen. But Christ has resurrected. And so what does this mean for us? It means that there's going to be a future resurrection. One of the strangest things of being uh, a pastor here is sometimes you have people tell you what they want their funeral to be like. 
And they give you a, a documented list. I want this, I want that, I want you to do this, I want you to do that. And it's kind of strange to me, people actually planning their death. But there's a future resurrection that gives us hope to know that we will see those people that have died in Christ, we will see them again. And to know that if you have received Christ as your Savior, you will be resurrected to new life in Christ. And so Christ has rose from the dead and it's a marvelous affirmation, a glorious truth. The Son of God becomes a servant. He comes to the earth to take back the world and man from Satan. And when he has come and died and risen again and redeemed his people, the scriptures here teach us that he will gather them to himself and he will conquer death. He will take the kingdom and he will present it to the Father. And so if you don't have a guarantee that your sins have been forgiven or that you've been justified in the sight of God, that your sins are pulling you down to hell, you need to have faith in the resurrection. The Bible teaches us in Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness that God has raised him from the dead. Jesus has resurrected from the dead, and because of that, it is God's pledge of future judgment to those who have never repented of their sins and believed the gospel. Look here again at verses 24 through 26. He says, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every, every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. If you die without Christ, you are his enemy. And when he comes back, and if you're still living and he comes back and you've never repented of your sins, you've never trusted Christ, you will be his enemy and he will conquer you and he will destroy you. That's a reality. Acts 17.31 says, Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. John 5.22, Jesus said this of himself. He said, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So because Christ has resurrected from the dead, God has given us a pledge. He's given us a guarantee that those who have trusted in Christ, you'll be resurrected to life. Those that who have not trusted in Christ will be resurrected to judgment. And this is the good news of the gospel, that you don't have to be 
judged because Christ took your judgment and he paid for your sins. And by simply turning to Christ, placing your faith in Christ, repenting of your sin and believing in Jesus, the Bible says that you can be forgiven, that you'll have this hope of a resurrected life. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.